Thank you. Gathered here in the mystery of the hour, gathered here in one strong body, gathered here in the struggle and the power, spirit drawn near. Yes, we are here here together in this holy moment in this place called hope mystery mystery life is a struggle and a mystery whoops it's a riddle and a mystery I'm still staying in the struggle aren't I there has always been spirit in this place the highest point in the county Sacred to the people who lived here. Long before the pale-skinned Europeans came, moved in, claimed it. I wonder who they were. Who were those people who were here? I don't know. Somebody tell me. Who were they? Creek? Creek Nation people? And were there people before the Creek Nation came? Maybe we don't know what to call them. I think there probably were. Mystery, mystery, life is a riddle and a mystery. Yes. There's always been spirit in this place, and the first people here recognized it, honored it in the ground, in the rocks, in the water, in the sky honored it in the animals, the birds, the trees, honored the spirit of the ancestors here. Mystery, mystery, life is a riddle and a mystery. And I do know that this congregation took the name of one of its founders, Hope. Hope Holloway. And she is now wherever we are. And we feel her here in this sacred space, on this sacred ground, in this holy moment. Hope is always with us. Mystery, mystery, life is a riddle and a mystery. And hope is lighthearted. Unitarian Emily Dickinson, amazing intellectual and poet, describes hope in a poem. And if you know it, you can say the beginning with me. I don't have it memorized. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. Emily Dickinson wondered all the time. She wondered about the mystery. Will there really be a morning? Is there such a thing as a day? Could I see it from the mountains if I were as tall as they? 
Has it feet like water lilies? Has it feathers like a bird? Emily Dickinson wondered a lot. What do you think about that? And what do you think about wondering here? Isn't this the perfect place to wonder? Surrounded by trees in a space filled with limestone rocks that are very porous where air and things can freely flow. That's how we found all the oil around, you know, it's looking through the limestone. Isn't this the perfect place to wonder and to wander? What is the point about wandering? Sometimes as we wander, we arrive at a point. Sometimes the point is a thing with feathers. Sometimes the point is mourning. Poets and storytellers and musicians and artists of all kinds wander a lot. And what is the point of all this wandering? Sometimes wandering can take us to a tree, can't it? An ordinary tree or a special tree. So I'm wondering, what sort of tree have you wandered to? I know I can't be the only one who has ever wandered to a tree. What sort of tree? Have you wandered to a tree? What kind? A pine tree. Uh, and how big was the pine tree? As high as the ceiling. Oh, and did you, what did you do as you were wandering to this pine tree? When you got to the pine tree, what did you do? You went past it because... Oh, you walked past it because it's not where you're going to go. Okay. Was there something special about it, though, that caught your eye? Is that why you, you wandered past it? There's pines all over. Oh, the pine cones. Yeah, the pine cones. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Pine cones are very special. How about some of you? Is there a special tree? What kind of special tree? Oh. Oh. She says there's an oak tree that your grandfather, your father planted in the backyard, and she likes to sit under it and reminisce. Hmm, who can tell me what reminisce might mean? Well, that's a kind of a big word, isn't it? What does reminisce mean? <gasps> like remembering. It's a remembering tree, kind of like the giving tree, like the boy going to the giving tree. Although I, I wonder if that boy was really remembering. It seems like the tree was remembering, wasn't it? The tree was doing the remembering. Yeah. In the story, did that... Did that help you think of a tree 
a special tree? Was there someone that that brought up a memory about a tree that used to keep you company, maybe when you were lonely? Yes? Oh, a tree in your front yard that you climbed when you were a small kid. What kind of tree do you know? A small tree. Oh, yeah. Small trees are easier to climb, I guess. I don't know. I remember seeing a big, big tree that had branches that were kind of low to the ground, and it was a whole lot easier to climb that tree, too, and to get up high and to look and look and see what the world looked like from way up there. And for me, because I loved watching birds... I guess that's why I like the stories about the owls and everything. Um, For me, watching the birds, I was kind of hoping I could see a nest. I wouldn't touch the eggs. We know that's not right, right? We don't touch the eggs. So I want to tell you a little bit of a story about a small person, a young person, who... um, this, This child would go to a tree whenever this child was lonely. And this child loved to ride a bicycle. Does anybody in here like to ride a bicycle or a tricycle or a scooter? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you do? You ride a scooter? Wow. <laughs> you do? Yeah. Whoa, and roller skates, too. Yeah. Well, this child couldn't ride any of those things, could only ride a bicycle because this child would go and ride on a lot of grass. Yes, you wanted to say something. Yes. Whoa, play on the scooter. Wow. That sounds like a lot of fun. Do you ever ride to a tree? No. No, because scooters kind of can't go on grass, can they? Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Riding a scooter down the sidewalk to your house. That sounds like a fun and safer thing to do than riding on the street. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear that. Well, this child would ride the bicycle and pretend it was a horse. Does anybody like to pretend they're riding a horse when they're really not riding a horse? I mean, adults, come on. (laughs) You go horseback riding every Sunday. Are you going to do that today? Oh, my gosh. That's so great. What color is the horse? Light brown. Ooh, that sounds wonderful. So this child on the bicycle that became a horse, I wonder what kind of color that horse could be. In this story, what color do you think this horse should be? Beige. Okay. And what color mane and tail? Who's going to be real, real creative here? What color mane and tail? Rainbow. All right. I'm with the rainbow. Okay. So this child's riding 
riding the horse, riding the horse, riding the horse, and comes to a great big tree. But it's not a pine tree. This is a great, big, beautiful oak tree. And the trunk is bigger around than a child can place the child's arms around. And the child goes and sits underneath the tree and thinks and sometimes talks to the tree. If you ever went to a tree and sat underneath the tree and could say whatever you wanted to say, well, just think about it. You don't have to share, because it might be kind of private. But um, this child would talk about how mean her brother was. This child would talk about how, um, how much he loved his teacher. This child could imagine being anybody and anyhow this child wanted to be. And the tree listened. The tree listened. I wonder, does anybody here besides me think that trees listen kind of like in the giving tree story? Yeah. Yeah, I want to I want to say this right, so I'm going to look at my notes. Who, who knows about Walt Whitman? Well, I think you got, don't you guys have a picture of Walt Whitman somewhere in the That's what I was thinking. Um, Unitarian. When he was um, 54 years old, he suffered a paralyzing stroke. And it took him two whole years to recover from it. That's a long time to be sick, isn't it? two years. Well, you may or may not know, Walt Whitman was a wonderful writer and a poet. And while he was recuperating, he was realizing how important trees were, how important it was for him to get outside and breathe the air and be with the trees. And I'm imagining feeling their warmth, feeling their energy, he actually wrote in um, a book that was a collection of his writings called Specimen Days. He, w- he actually wrote how all of that being in nature and feeling its healing powers, how it nourishes and lulls me. And it made him think about how h- human beings, we're all human beings, are, are most of us human beings in here? Okay, most of the time, yeah. How human beings... We could learn a lot from trees about being instead of what he called seeming. So what's another way of thinking of, of that seeming? Is that, how would, you, how would you describe that? Seeming's kind of a strange word. Being instead of pretending. <laughs> oh, you're not pretending. Sorry. You are exactly who you are. Yes. Uh, And way back in the 1800s, because he lived during the time of the American Civil War, and he was a nurse at that time and helped people, he noticed people way back then trying to be something that they weren't, and not always in a good way. Being, being themselves. And Trees have been so important to human beings for so long. Do you know 
that trees have been special, like sacred trees, like holy trees, probably since the beginning of human beings. Who can tell me um, somebody that they know about from way, way long time ago that loved trees so much? A group of people. Do you know? Johnny Appleseed, yeah, I'm thinking even, that's a good one. Love, love trees so much he went and planted them or gave the seeds away so people could plant them. I'm thinking about way, way back in Europe, there's a group of people that trees were holy for and uh, named all different kinds of trees and had all different attributes for them, had all different things that trees could stand for, druids. Yes, and so a lot of poetry and even Walt Whitman talked about the, the wisdom of the Druids. And so they, they would have a holy tree. Egyptians had holy trees. I mean, pretty much everybody you can think about all over the planet. Hmm? That's right, we have the Council Oak. Thank you for reminding me of that. It still exists? Okay, good, because for some reason I thought something had happened to it. Yeah. So all different kinds of trees, and they can have meanings, and, and um, they can be very, very holy, very, very special to people of all different ages. I'm glad to hear that, that a lot of us in the room realize that. And you all have this surrounding you right here, all of these many different kinds of trees. So I like to think... Um, oh, and, I, and I, I want to remember to tell you, I ran across an article um, online, of course, and um, it, was, it had a very um, interesting question posed. Are trees sentient beings? Who can help us understand what sentient means? What does it mean to be sentient? Self-aware. Self-aware. Feelings, yes, trees are beings. Yes, sensitive, sensitive, yes. And so this is the article that this, this um, I think he's a forester, a German forester by the name of Peter Volubin. Um, he actually wrote this in a book called The Hidden Life of Trees. I can't believe I haven't read that. I'm going to have to find it. And um, in the book, he says that there are such a things, and he studied all different trees and all different forests. Germany used to have a lot of forests. I know that they're losing some of them. Um, but he said in his um, observations and his studies as a forester, someone who works in the forest, is that there's such a thing as a mother tree. Are you aware of that? A mother tree. So imagine there's, there's seedlings, there's little trees, little baby trees, children trees, around this mother tree. And through the root system, the mother tree makes sure that the baby trees, the children trees, get what they need to eat. Did you know that? Is that cool or what? And he also says that there's such a thing as couples of trees. 
What? Couples of trees. As a forester, he says when they're selectively, if they have like to need to take a disease tree or something out, um, or somebody is trying to clear an area or whatever the, the thing may be, it's never good to just take one of those couples. Because if they do that, then the other one's going to wither and die. Trees have feelings. Trees have feelings. And then the other thing is, um, I'm trying to remember, oh, oh, friends. There's, they have, they've been able to tell that, that there are groups of friends, trees. And they're not all the same species. How Unitarian Universalist is that? That is so great. And I, I, saw, um, I saw something um, on a program, it was probably a PBS program, um, that scientists have done, and, you, and maybe some of you know this and can explain it better than I, but my understanding is that the science is getting to such a place well, we can see things tinier and tinier and tinier and tinier than we've ever been in. And we've got instrumentation to pick up on energy and movement and sounds. And trees, okay, way, 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 way back, I learned that aspen trees aren't just single trees. They're actually an organism. And it looks like individual trees, but oh no, that's just what's above the ground. They're all connected, and the connections can go for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. That we knew that uh, maybe two decades ago, but now we we know that there's communication that's happening along the way. So if danger is happening, some kind of electrical impulse or some kind of chemistry is happening. Between, and we talk about chemistry, about love, don't we? About how we feel about each other. The chemistry is real. There's things we can't see. Ah, oh, mystery, mystery. Life is a middle and mystery. A middle? A riddle and a mystery. Yeah, maybe it's in the middle too. Wow. So this is hope. All of this is hope. In the mystery of life, this is hope, Unitarian Universalist. On the high holy ground, surrounded and embraced by the family of trees and all who live in them. The crows, let's make that sound just once again. Yeah. The owls, can somebody sound like an owl? And what's another creature that might live out in the trees? A wolf. How do we, oh, we've got to make a wolf sound. Oh, oh that's so satisfying. Yes, thank you. Such a place of mystery can be a haven a place of healing, this place, a place of healing and teaching and listening and learning, a place to be shared in a time that desperately needs to be healed, healed from its severe stroke that is totally paralyzing. Are you with me? 
Walt Whitman, Emily Dickinson, and Mary Oliver are with us in spirit, just as is Hope Holloway and all of our beloveds. And together they are joining us and perhaps leading us in a beautiful and mysterious and spirited dance of hope, joy, love, and compassion. Hmm. You know, folks have been dancing around trees for a very long time. So let's join them. Let it be a dance. Yes, let it be a dance. May it be so. <laughs> 